Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Rumbi Kateza, film and television director. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, like, and share. Let's get down to work. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm, 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 I'm excited because in our sitting at home and watching your segment on Friendship Bench, the me you can't see, and I'm like, wow, so beautiful to watch work, lovely work mm. produced by Zimbabwean. On an international platform, mm. talk to me about how this project in in 2021, how it came about. You know, Trevor, in 2020, people were going through a very difficult time and not understanding where the world was going. And executive producers Oprah Winfrey and Prince Harry <laughs> yeah. looked into a project that really delved into mental health. And it was really amazing and wonderful that they also wanted to go outside of the U.S. and look at how communities outside of the U.S. were also dealing with mental health issues during that time. And through a colleague, a producer that I had worked with in South Africa, I was connected to the producers of the project who said, can you direct our segment in Zimbabwe? They were already aware of the Friendship Bench, which was started by Dixon Chibanda, an incredible project where he looks at mental health issues. I mean, we're in a country where our health sector is in crisis, where we have less than 20 psychiatrists. And he created this, this project that goes into communities and uses grandmothers as counselors um, these are people who I think in our communities anyway, you go to your elderly, you, people who you respect. And that's, Sekuru, yes. Ambuya. Mm. And that's a perfect kind of idea to, to then let people know that you can go to these people and talk about your struggles. Mm. So I was invited to direct the segment on the friendship mm. bench. And it was an honor as well because they said we want a Zimbabwean director to do it. And I said to the crew, look, guys, this is a perfect opportunity for us to shine because it was COVID. Nobody was coming in from outside. 100% Zimbabwean crew. And we delivered. Mm. And it was such a beautiful segment where they were looking at how people within certain communities can help each other when a crisis moment mm. happens. Mm. Um, and the Gogos that we met were so generous with their time and their love. And it was a learning moment for mm. all of us as well. Mm. Cathartic, mm. cathartic. Beautiful, well done. I mean, if you're at home, um, the episode is available on uh, Apple TV Plus. Um, really recommend for you to, to watch it. But you're being humble. Oprah Winfrey, Prince Harry, Harpo Productions. Talk to me about that. 
It's a machine. It's a machine like I'd never worked with before and really a learning process for me because it's usually when we work on productions in Zimbabwe, the, the budgets are a lot smaller and you're just like putting things together. Yeah. But it was there was a whole process of um, hierarchy, hierarchy and um, set protocols. They were very, very, very uh, strict about the welfare of the crew and the people who we were um, also interacting with. And I loved that from right from the executive producers who would then speak to the producers who were supervising us. They were always these discussions that we would have with other section directors and segment directors. Um, and then there was the series directors. So you always felt like you were part of a process that was very important and without everybody's contributions, this wouldn't work. Mm. Um, so it was also nice to be able to work remotely. Mm -hmm. So the editor that I worked with was in New York while I was here and we would discuss the content and you, he understood what we were doing on a story level. And that's the universality yeah. of film, isn't it? Yeah. Does the story work? Mm. And to be able to say, Let's make it work for an international audience, not just for a Zimbabwean audience, but for an international audience. Um, so that was a it was a great opportunity mm. to like look at how do we now take Zimbabwean stories out? What are the best ways to edit and cut them together so that they flow? With well, other what, what were the learnings for you mm. um, from this experience? Working, working for a global brand with the kind of regular, rigorous expectations. Uh, what were the lessons for you that you'd like to share with our uh, viewers out there? It was really about trusting your process and trusting your vision and your art. While it was a very rigorous process and, you know, you had a lot of responsibilities to deliver by deadline and within certain like um, specifications, yeah. I also had a lot of freedom to create what I wanted to do. And I, I, I didn't have to explain myself like I often do locally. Like this is the how, it, I'm a director, this is the process of directing, I have to deliver, it's gonna cost so much. There were none of those conversations with them. All I spoke to them about were creative elements of making the film. So I said, look, I want to present the Friendship Bench and I want to present Gogo Forget in a way that is respectful and beautiful. And I think I did just that. Mm. Mm. The, the, the other aspect that I think a lot of people find interesting is you say your budget was bigger than normal. Mm. The, what, what's, what's, it, what's the advantage of that versus the normal uh, that we're used to? Uh, mm. Shoestring budget? but still be able to produce a good movie, a good documentary. In this instance, you're given more than what you used to. What, 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 were there constraints? Were there uh, opportunities? Talk to me about that bit. The opportunities were definitely in the equipment. Cause so we were able to use a camera that uh, we weren't, that we hadn't used before, the Sony Venice. That is a very high end camera that our team worked with. And they were, uh, the, the camera team was Zimbabwean. And so we had to go through the process of importing all of this really high-end equipment that reaches the specifications of Apple TV+, Plus because it is an international broadcaster. So you can't just shoot with your small DSLR. It has to be 
you know, they were very specific. You can use this camera, that one, or that mm. one. That's all we will accept. Um, so working with that equipment and being able to to also work within a, a time frame without thinking, guys, we may not be able to finish because we don't have money to be able to get to this place or that place. If I said to the to the to the producers, I need to shoot in these three places, then it, it go would down. Yeah. It would happen yeah. as long as I could um, back up why I needed to do it. Then they were on oh, board. What an ideal place to that be. Is, yeah. That is. That is. So, Rumbi, you for the past twenty five years, you've been in this industry. So, lots of experience behind you uh, as a director, mm. writer, and, and producer. Talk to me about, first of all, which one of those is your, you know, go-to? Which one do you absolutely like and enjoy? Which one is you? And the processes with which you approach each one of these, directing, writing, and producing? That's a very hard question. You know, there's so much joy in all of them. I think perhaps it's the directing aspect because it's the storytelling. Mm -hmm. It's the ability to bring a team of creatives together and use each and every one of their abilities to make one product. And film, obviously, as you know, is a, an amalgamation of every creative industry. Yeah. When you are making music, you don't necessarily need a filmmaker. When you're doing your visual art, you don't necessarily need a filmmaker. But in making a film, we take aspects of other creative industries, you yeah. know, wardrobe, makeup, so on and music. so forth, mm. even engineering. Yeah. And we bring all those together. So I love as a director taking what I think is people's strengths, honing it to improve my story. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, as directors, you get a lot of credit in the end, but it's not. It's a team effort. And there's so much beauty in being mm -hmm. able to bring all those people together. Mm -hmm. Whereas with producing, it's more the business side, right? Um, and I'd like to see more of that, like, the importance of producing and, and getting business in order in our industry in Zimbabwe, because you really have to think ahead because it's a product, right? Yeah. Film is a product. People don't necessarily understand that it's a product with a value chain like any other business. Um, so that to me is very interesting. Oh, so, and are you saying we don't get it in Zim at the moment? I'm saying, a, of it? correct, a lot mm. of us don't understand the, the whole value chain of, of a film. So, when you set out to make a film, you should know what the end product is from the beginning. Is it going to be something, a digital file that is going to be uploaded to the internet? Or are you going to have a high-end DCP uh, drive that you're going to send off to a festival somewhere? Or are you making it because you want to sell it to Netflix? So that is a different kind of specification. So know what your final product is so that you know how you will sell it. That's what I mean about people not really thinking about the end product. Did you have problems? I mean, going back to the Apple um, uh, series, the me you can't see, um, the friendship bench. Uh, did you have problems with talent? I know you, you say you had to import some of the equipment. What, what about talent? Did you find that easy to locate that talent? Well, because it was a documentary, it was very straightforward. And we worked closely in partnership with Friendship Bench. Right. And we were able to meet about a dozen of their grandmother counselors, their gogos. Um, and together with the producers, we then narrowed it down to Google Forget who um, 
we met and spent days with mm. seeing how you know what she does and going out to the community and it was a difficult time because it was during covid um people weren't sure where covid was taking us and we wanted to be very careful because obviously we we didn't want her to get sick mm. or the people that we were working mm. with to get sick and that was another investment of the production team they invested in having a healthcare professional on set who not only saw to the crew's welfare but also saw to the welfare of the people who we came in contact with right. so there was a day that we were at a well the community got their water from this well obviously they were congregating this was during covid and this healthcare professional did temperature checks and checked in with these women who were there and there was one woman who was well and he was able to to help her in that moment um and i and that to me is powerful that it, it wasn't just us there to tell a story yeah. but also to give back in some way in the little time that we were there mm -hmm. so talent no was not difficult because it was a documentary but if it was fiction we'd be talking about another story trevor okay. <laughs> right well what would we be talking about so we've got incredible Zimbabwean talent that we see in international productions, yes, right? Yes. Right now we're seeing the likes of Danai Gurira, yeah. Tongai Chirisa, Chi Mende, Tendaishe Chitima. I mean, we've got some really amazing Beautiful. talent on the international scene. Uh, but we're not seeing enough growth locally. One, because I don't think um, our local talent get enough opportunity to try new kind of skills and talents and stories and because the kind of content that's being made can be limiting mm. to what they're doing um and you need to watch films and hone your talent and expose yourself do the work and yeah. invest in yourself invest in yourself. we're not investing in ourselves enough i mean you can't just show up to work and expect everything to work you need to do your research and so on i mean i recently was doing training at the Zimbabwe Theatre Academy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my biggest discussion with the students was research. You can be as skilled and talented as you want, but if you don't know where your characters come from, what their interests were, because we were talking about your character as a billionaire. What does a billionaire do? Mm. And I said, your research can't come from watching a TV show somewhere and saying, oh, that person acted like that. You need to do research. Who are the billionaires that you know? What are some of the traits that you've read about? Watch their videos. How do they walk? How do they do? How, you know what? All of those I, things. I get you. Re mm. what, what does it talk to? Mm. Is, is it just laziness? Lack of curiosity? Where does it come from? It's, a, it's an education thing. You know, the, we spoke about the value chain of an actual film, but we should also talk about the value chain of the actual industry itself. So we have education. I think I'm going to stop you there. Okay, that's cool. a big one. Let's, yeah. let's take a break. Um, please don't go away. I'm in conversation with Rumbi Kateza, uh, film and television director. And when we come back, we're going to drill down on, on the things that we need to do to get our film and television industry where it should be. So it's so important that we are exporting our culture and not just importing it we need to know who we are imagine getting free access to the newsday the standard the zimbabwe independent and the weekly digest for a full month what well, you can 
And all you need to do is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. Welcome back to In Conversation with Trevor. I'm in conversation with Rumbi Kateza, film and television director. So we, we're going into the value chain of the film industry. Yeah. Let's drill down into that. Yeah, if you really think about it, um, it starts with education. We need our young people to be educated about film and different aspects of storytelling right from primary school. It shouldn't happen when they finally get to university or, or later. Um, we should have a visual liter literacy culture and appreciation um, of watching local content as well as international. But particularly in this case, I'm talking about local and African content and appreciating our local stories. From education, you move into pre-production, production, actually making films, post-production, the editing, and then marketing and distribution, the packaging, and the infrastructure of the distribution value chain. Do we have cinemas? Do we have other ways of distributing our content? In Nigeria, there's a very big like um, markets where you can buy videos, CDs, and DVDs. Um, or is it going to be for online? Do we have enough data? Is data prohibitive? Can we afford data to be streaming content? So there are many questions that come into these value chains in which we need to have conversations and uh, kind of working together in connections with other industries. Mm -hmm. The ICT industry, the, the mobile telecommunications industries, engineering industries, hospitality, and so on. All of these are the industries that play into our industry as well and that we can also add value to mm. at the same time mm. in doing our work. Um, if you think of films like Cry Freedom or King Solomon's Mines and films that were made a long time ago, I've met a lot of people who said, I came to Zimbabwe because I saw King Solomon's Something, Mind. Yes. yes. In that film, I saw... Cry Freedom. Yes. So it's, it's, a, it's a really great way to market a country and to create something that's bigger and to play into other industries and help mm. each other to grow. Why is it important for us to make our own films? So it's so important that we are exporting our culture and not just importing it. We need to know who we are and we need to document and have things that are there for future generations to refer to. Mm. Um, even now, if, if I think of sometimes when I do corporate work uh, and I see people training, but using training materials from the UK, why do we not have mm. like a Zimbabwean corporate doing a, an explainer video? Mm. Um, something as basic as that. We need to see ourselves on screen. You want to recognize your importance. Representation matters on mm. screen. Uh, and the stories that we're told, we need to appreciate that. We have our own history. We have our own um, uh, important cultural practices and so on that play into these things. And not just try to copy Hollywood. We're not Hollywood. 
we're not Bollywood, we're not Nollywood. Mm. So we should also have our own unique um, ideas and talents and ways that we're presenting mm. our stories and our vision. Rumbi, the, the value chain that you describe is pretty intricate and complicated. And uh, as you're talking, I'm wondering who is looking at what at any mm. particular moment? Mm. Um, is, is it government? Is it private sector? What needs to be done for this um, value chain to deliver a better Nollywood, to deliver a better Hollywood, to mm. deliver a better image of who we are? How much time do we have? <laughs> Take it down. It's an important question. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a big one. Yeah. Um, so we have uh, our film policy is really non-existent. Oh, we do not have right. a film policy. So we need as an industry together with governments to look into a strategy for growth of our industry. Currently, um, the National Arts Council of Zimbabwe has spearheaded a film strategy process where together with um, stakeholders from the industry, we're developing a strategy for the next five years to encourage growth within our industry. Uh, and that's, that's a mammoth task. And just at the most basic level, what we really want is a film commission that's like a one-stop shop. We talk about ease of doing business in any industry. It's the same in film. Where do we go to get a permit? Where do we go to get funding? You know, because in every part of the value chain, we, we're going to need funding. We're going to need um, an enabling policy environment. We need to be able to get investment. Is there a way that the people who invest can also get value through incentives? And that's at policy level. So together with stakeholders, it's a long process and we've seen it work in other industries. I mean, South Africa now has their film and video commission that's been working National Film and Video Foundation that works closely with their industry. Mm. Um, we've seen the blow up of South Korea. Mm. The industry in South Korea is really blown up because of they've seen the necessity and how they can export their content. I mean, who doesn't know about K-pop now? So it's a long process that needs to be worked with, but it needs have a lot started? of personal investment. Have we started? We have started, um, but we need more of people giving of themselves mm. their time it's going to take sacrifice mm. because it's not necessarily something that you're going to see a return immediately you need to be educating the people who are drafting the policies you need to have the data in place mm. to be able to help people who are on the financial side understand um, how their investments can help and how it can. So, Rumi, mm -hmm. let's address two mm -hmm. stakeholders here. Right. Um, convince a politician who looks at you and says, oh, I've got much more urgent issues. Why should a politician take film seriously? Why? Film is the story of the country. It's what represents us. It's when what, what people see outside when they think of your home country. So if they don't see any films about you anywhere, there is an assumption that if you're not online, you're not, you don't exist. Mm -hmm. So we need more and more content about us so that we're in the public eye 
everywhere. And we're able to create that interest in our local story, in our country, so that there's more investments coming in. And even on a local level, we need people to be excited about being Zimbabwean. And that comes usually through culture and the arts and entertainment. So this is important also just to get young people to, to be proud of being Zimbabwean and wanting to, to invest and be here and not leave for greener pastures because they know that these we are, are the green. best, that yeah. these pastures are green mm. and we're a great country. Yeah. And then also just in terms of getting um, extra value to the various industries that we contribute to. Uh, a good film will bring in people who have seen something in our films. A good film will use skills from various industries. And, if, and here's a statistic for mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. The film industry in Africa is currently generating five billion in annual revenue, five billion US dollars, with a potential of 20 billion annual revenue. And if we get our, our ducks in a row and we professionalize properly, then that can be done. We can be generating that kind of money for our countries. And this is local, right? So when you produce product, you can produce it with your local money. But if you export that product, you're earning foreign, you're earning foreign currency. Mm. Talk, talk now to the businessman. Why should a businessman be interested in investing in film? Um, there are various reasons, and I mean, on a base level, it's 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 great to see your name and credits, isn't mm. it? And to, to be part of something um, like a film, but it's also an investment because it's product like anything else. Like I said before, if you put money in local currency, your returns can come in foreign currency when you invest in a film. Um, and because if you get, if you produce a film at a high, really high quality, you can get high returns depending on the strategy. You know, you need to make sure that you've got a good sales um, strategy Marketing. for your film mm. so that you can get to as many markets as possible. We get excited, obviously, when we think of a film being on Netflix. But if you think about it, once it's on Netflix, that's global. Mm. But there are other options that are available to you as well. You can also sell market by market by market. Like if you have Mazoe, I can send a shipment to South Africa, to the UK, to Australia. And so it's the same with a film. Mm. Instead of just sending it to one, one central warehouse, yeah. I can sell it in various different countries. Mm. And that's an opportunity in itself right mm. there. So I would also encourage, I mean, this whole thing, the idea of having a film policy should give business the opportunity to get incentives from investing mm. in the film industry. It's been very successful in other countries, and it's a, it's a model that I think would work very well Absolutely. in Zimbabwe. Absolutely. Ruby, let, let me, let's talk to, let's talk about you now. Mm -hmm. So you um, did a stint with ZBC uh, TV. Mm -hmm. You did a stint with uh, the Zimbabwe International Film Festival, mm -hmm. uh, the Media Development Trust. You have lectured at the university part-time, freelance writer, editor, which jobs, which of these jobs and assignments have contributed significantly into who you've become? You know, the whole journey has brought me to who I am today. And I sometimes stop and think, I can't believe I did all of that. You did. It's like, it's been, an, <laughs> it's been quite a, a journey. You know, I started on radio, 
on ZBC on long back on Radio 3. Um, as I was finding my feet, trying to get into the film industry. What were you doing on Radio 3? I was on air. I was a DJ. So I used to DJ Rumbi? Special K. Oh, right. Okay. He used to call me Special K. Right. Because I was also a break dancer. So it was my break dance name. <laughs> so I, I started on We've radio. come a long way, haven't we? We have. <laughs> we have. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was great. It was when... When I joined Admire Taderera, Mosikumalo, mm. mm. um, they were the big bosses. And um, that's pedigree right there. Right there. Yeah. I learned so much from them. And it was at that time that I got my first job in film. And I started in the production department. And being a young woman, I thought in, at that time, I really want to be a director. But that didn't happen for me um, because there was this. Thing that when young people came, the girls were automatically pushed to the production office. Girls should do admin. Girls should do makeup. Girls should do those, you know. And the boys would be allowed onto the set, assistant directing jobs that were like in line to eventually become directors. So um, I don't necessarily see that as a disadvantage. At the time, obviously, I was not happy with it. But in hindsight, I learned so much from that process. I learned about the inner workings of film because my bosses would be the producers mm. and the executive producers. So they would tell me, this is the process of a film. This is what you need. This is the kind of equipment. This is who you have to hire. That was valuable to me. Mm. So by the time I did become a director, I understood everybody else's jobs. I'm going to hold you there. That's a beautiful story you're telling. But I think there's a lesson in what you've just said. At the time, I didn't like what they made me do. Mm. But with hindsight, I realized the benefit. It's, in most instances, the, com the uncomfortable places that life takes us to, mm -hmm. that tend to shape us. Mm -hmm. But at that particular moment, when you're being shaped, it's painful. Mm. But when you look back, wow. I'm glad I did that. I really am. And that's, that's a really good point. And it actually helped with producing as well. Because if you think of that time in the 90s, we were doing a lot of foreign productions that were coming into Zimbabwe. So we were servicing productions that would leave the country, that were not made for a local audience. Uh, but learning producing made it easier to then get to a place where I said, well, why aren't we making our own productions? Mm. I know how to make them now. They taught me. I'm using that skill. Now let's make local productions. Um, so that was a perfect, you know, stepping stone. That and benefited me. The, 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 the whole choice of I'm going to get into film, film producing, where, where did that come from? Do you remember the moment that film production, documentary film production, instead of breakdancing, grabbed you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, I used to watch a lot of films. Right. I consumed a lot of films. Uh, when I was young, my family lived in Tokyo, in Japan. Oh. And I was... I used to just cycle around the neighborhood. My parents bought me a bicycle, so I would just cycle around looking, at, looking around. And I one day came across a video um, rental store 
And I walked in and I said, well, this is interesting. Can I join? And they said, yeah. And it was very free. They said, take as many as you want. I thought, I thought this was incredible. I think I must have been like 11 at the time. Took those videos, went home, watched them all, brought them back. And this, it was this continuous cycle of just consuming things from around the world. And I was like, wow, I've never seen Brazil before. But I was watching films from Brazil. I didn't understand their language. And I was thinking, wow, this was a beautiful film. I'm, I, and I was feeling for these characters. And I said to myself, how is it that somebody in a country I've never been to, that I might never go to, in a language that I don't understand, is affecting me? And that's when I knew that I wanted to be in the creative industries to be able to reach a global audience, even when I'm just in my own little room creating ideas. Mm. Well, was, this, was this before or after you had gone to... Uh... Uh, Goldsmiths College, college rather, hmm. and the McGill University in Canada. When, when did you decide, or rather intentionally say, I'm going to study this because this is what I'm interested in? Hmm. Was it, I'm interested in this, I'm going to study this, or the other way around? Talk to us about that. When I went to university, I actually was accepted into economics because, you know, my parents felt that that was a secure kind of degree to do. And I left home, I got into McGill University in Canada, and uh, within the first week, it was very clear that economics was not for me. How was it clear? You know, the, the way uh, these universities work, um, it's a credit based on whichever program, whichever class you take at the time. So I entered a class where, it was a very big class. Um, it was one of the classes that was compulsory. And I was in that class with kids who were in their fourth year and I was in my first year and they didn't care. They just like went straight into it. And I was like, this is just not, not me. me. Um, but I had met other students who were in um, the English literature, the communications and the film departments. And I said, I would rather do that. So I went in to admin and I said, I'd like to transfer. And it was not a problem. I transferred and I, it was a process speaking to my parents, getting them to understand. And I think if I was closer to them, I think the conversations might have gone on a bit longer. But yeah. they said, what can we do? We're not there. Um, and I was very lucky that they were supportive and said, okay. So you weren't indeed. Um, um, film and communications. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that was my first And your degree. master's? Um, My master's was at Goldsmiths College, right. University of London. So that's when I really um, focused on directing. Right. Uh, and it was what led to me making Asylum, which was my first award-winning mm -hmm. short film, mm -hmm. um, which was fantastic. It was, about, it was about a Sudanese immigrant in London. But it could have been a Zimbabwean immigrant. It could have been an, an immigrant from the Philippines. I mean, it was about how the whole idea of asylum seeking is not necessarily going to give you security because you will always have the fear and the past in your mind. How are you going to free your mind from that fear and that moment once you get to a place of safety? Mm. So that was the first one. And it's it's kind of come across, you know, 
in a lot of my films, I, I look at migration, even in my my last documentary it was about migration and remittances. I, I'm very interested in human habits, human motions. Where do we go? How does it affect us? Does it change us? Does it change who we are as a people and our family relationships? So those kind of things come up quite a lot mm. in my stories. And, and you have received quite a number of awards. Um, I want us to delve into um, some of the work that has given you, that has resulted in you getting those awards. We'll take a break here. Uh, please don't go away. When we come back, we're going to look at the awards that uh, Rumbi has received and for the, some of the work that uh, um, has been recognized uh, throughout the world. Most migration happens within the continent, not people trying to leave the continent. Welcome back. I'm in conversation with Rumbi Katedza, um, film and television director. So Rumbi, you've had a number of awards. Two NAMA Awards, Africa Movie Academy Award. Um, which other awards? But perhaps before we go there, one piece of work that I particularly like is Transactions. Talk to us about this piece of work, Transactions. The inspiration behind it. Mm -hmm. Transactions is part of a pan-African series of films about migration. Um, in the global mainstream, when people think of migration, there's a very singular story mm. of um, Africans crossing the Mediterranean, trying to get to Europe, or or people crossing the border from Mexico into the U.S. But migration is a global phenomenon. And within Africa, most migration happens within the continent, not people trying to leave the continent. So that's a point yeah. that is worth emphasizing mm. for us to realize that actually we don't we're not running away from the continent. There's more migration in, within the continent rather than people leaving the continent. Exactly. So uh, this series challenged a bunch of filmmakers from the continent to tell stories of migration from their perspective. And uh, we were invited to pitch. I pitched my story and I was selected. Um, so they made 25 films from 16 African countries. And I wanted to tell a story about remittances because we know in Zimbabwe that um, remittances are far more than foreign direct investment, mm -hmm. uh, meaning that what is coming in from Zimbabweans abroad is a really big chunk of, yeah. of the money that's sustaining um, the economy. So on a complete statistical level, that is the truth. It does, Absolutely. it, affects, yeah. it yeah. affects our economy. But I also wanted to look at the human side. How is that affecting families? Because once somebody leaves, there may be um, a stereotype or an idea amongst the family member that everything's perfect. Once you leave, you're fine. You're good. There's money growing on trees, and, you know, things like that. But people, it's, a tough life. it's really hard out there. And I was on a subway in the UK on the tube in London one day, and I saw a woman who was talking on her phone 
And I listened and she was speaking in Shona and she was telling her family that everything was great. She was having a wonderful time and she was going to send the money. Just wait, it's coming as soon as she could get somewhere because she needed to take the money somewhere and hand it in for it to go. Um, she says, I'll send it to you really soon, but everything's great. And as soon as she hung up, her whole demeanor changed. She just kind of slumped into the chair and she was wearing a care worker's uniform and she fell asleep. You could see this woman was exhausted and who knows how many shifts she was working. Um, and I think sometimes as families, we don't know the difficulties that are faced on both sides. There are difficulties for those abroad, but there are also difficulties for those here who might be running around looking for basic things like water and electricity um, and having to pay very high amounts for groceries and so on and so forth. So I wanted to start a conversation about that. Uh, how does it change our cultural dynamics as well? Because once you leave, sometimes the person who sends the money might get more say mm. in what happens. And the elder might be here and there may be misunderstandings and tensions that start to create, you know, disagreements in families. So, so, so transactions Fantastic. came out of that. Yeah. Real. I mean, life is tough. It doesn't matter where you are. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's, it's a relative really what you can take and what you cannot take. Mm. Um, talk to us about these awards that you have won, which one means the most? to you and why? Hmm, that's a tough one. Um, but I would have to say the awards that I get at home, mm. because it's when you're recognized at home, it's easier to then leave and say, I got this, I've been recognized at home. And I don't think people realize that. Mm. You can Not international recognition? You know, know, it's wonderful to have the international recognition, but I don't think people realize that when you leave, I can go somewhere and say I've won X amount of awards in Zimbabwe. So then they know, you know, that I'm coming from a solid foundation. And when you think of films that do particularly well on the international scene, they're films that do well at home first. Uh, Interestingly, one of my favorite artists, Winky D, mm -hmm. um, who has set the, uh, the place where you're sitting right now, actually says, it's important for you to be recognized at home because it's when you're recognized at home that the world pays attention to, to your work. Mm -hmm. You agree with that, I suppose. I do agree with it. And I don't think people realize yeah. how important that is. And I've spoken to a number of mm. people who have won awards locally, particularly NAMA awards, who have said that once they go out and they say, I've won these awards at home, mm. that uh, people then say, well, we should work with you. I'd like to hear more because... Mm. It's fresh. The story is fresh. Africa is 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 on vogue right now. You know, there there's stories from Africa that people are clamoring to get. Mm. You, other you know, we industries. were saying just during the break, mm -hmm. and I was saying to the team that your promotion comes from where you are. Mm -hmm. It's how you how do you work at the work that you've got that you get a promotion. Essentially, that's what we're saying here, isn't mm. it? Zimbabwe right. is tough, but you shine here. The world is going to pay attention. They are going to pay attention. So I would say the the local awards. Which one? Uh, the Namas. I got two of them. Two Namas, and that kind of like snowballed. What were those for? Um, do you um, remember? So the one was for a very small uh, 
documentary about a young woman who disclosed her HIV status mm. that I did together with a team of young people. So it was a participatory documentary mm. and we developed the story together and it was a great process of learning. So at, at the end, we had a product and those young people I'm so proud have gone on to, to do amazing things in the world. Mm. Um, and the other one was for a short TV film called Big House, Small House. Mm. Um, which Big was, house, small house. Is, is this what I've got in mind? It is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was part of a series of films from all over Africa. And mm -hmm. ours was, this, was the Zimbabwean film. And that was the theme. And the film, yeah, was about a man who, who takes a, a small house without his wife's knowledge. And then his wife finds out. And the ensuing drama mm -hmm. is there's a twist at the end that people don't expect. So that was we the other We won't spoil it for yeah. them. Good big house and small and small house. Um, you also were uh, went through the JMD Manuka Fellowship. Mm. Uh, great work that James is doing through this initiative. Mm. Um, talk to us about the, the, what what you what that exposed you to, and then you also um, went for the you got an honorary fellow at the Film Studies Centre at Harvard University. Mm, is, is, mm. That, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um, James and Sarah Manika are doing incredible uh, work in terms of giving opportunities to Zimbabwean creatives um, to give them a platform to make their work in an environment where they have the resources in terms of the libraries and the studios and the facilities available at Harvard University at the Hutchins Center for African and African American Research. Mm. And I was shocked that I was um, invited, but I was so pleased because it gave me the opportunity to, to, to look at my content and say, how do I get it to a level where it's international? Mm. Mm. Not just telling a story that I assume everybody will understand. There are so many things that you can do that um, while I was there, I was able to work with people who are also creatives um, who helped me to reshape and remold the way I tell stories. And um, James Manika, who is the vice president of Google now. Yeah. Right. He, he uh, wasn't then. He hey? wasn't then. Mm. And but he said to me, you know, we want you and people like you to use this as an opportunity to move on to bigger and greater things because the work lies with you. If you do not take advantage of this opportunity, then the loss is yours. Um, and he he has now subsequently, I think the first one was Noviolet Blawayo. Mm. I followed Noviolet. The, um, the current one is very talented photographer, Tamari Kudita. Mm -hmm. um, so in, in terms of the caliber of people who are going and what we are able to do in terms of selling what Zimbabwe has is amazing. And what did you have to do for uh, James Manuka uh, and them to, to, to notice you? Uh, it's that working hard at home that I was telling you about, right? It was the work that I was, comes that's from. right. It was the work that I had done here that I guess put me on the radar and they have uh, an advisory committee um, of people who then sit down and um, speak to James and Sarah and make their recommendations. And I was selected and I'm ever grateful for that. Mm. Rumi, what's been the most impactful 
person, event in your life. When you look at where you are now and you look at back, is there an event? Is there a person that's shaped your destiny? Hmm. That's a very hard question. You know, I, I think if I look at different era, there's a different person or event for a different season. Mm. Right. And in my youth, that's deep. That. Yeah. I think in my youth, I would say um, definitely my parents um, and my father always encouraged me to be to be critical, to think critically. Uh, and he also he was the eldest in his family. And he always spoke about the importance of... He's late, I take He it. is late, yes. But he always spoke about the importance of, of looking at your, your male and female children the same, giving them the same opportunities because they can equally shine. Yeah. Um, and so I love that about him. So I, I always, I never even thought that there was a possibility that I could fail because he instilled wow. that in us that you're going out there. Yeah to do the best that you can to achieve what you can. It doesn't and matter that you're female. That's right. Yeah. And in doing that, always serve the community around mm. you. Those were the lessons mm. from my parents at that season. Yeah. And then later on, um, there was an event that really turned it around for me. When I was at university in Canada, mm -hmm. I volunteered for a film festival. Uh, it was an African film festival, a traveling festival. and. This is a, why I always encourage young people volunteer. You never know. It's great experience and so on. While I was volunteering, one of the visiting filmmakers that we had selected who came to Canada was Godwin Mauru mm. with a little film called Neria. Neria. And I sat in my boss's living room with Godwin and he sat there completely patient with me because I knew nothing about film in Zimbabwe and he schooled me and he told me about what was going on, how he made Neria, why it would be great for me to come home and I did come home and when I got back home he was always there to give me advice and I always appreciate Godwin wow. for that um, and the fact that he was always so patient with what I look back at as like you know ignorance mm. which is why now I take it very importantly to research and learn more and watch more, watch films. Mm. Um, so he, he had a direct impact on me as well. And in my season now, it's, it's having a circle of women um, to uplift and uh, to, who are not necessarily filmmakers, but having a circle of friends and women who can uplift in terms of personal and professional to always keep you positive, even when things are difficult. Mm. Um, I have that circle. So there is, there are seasons. Fantastic. Mm. People come to us in seasons and for seasons sometimes, mm. some leave, um, but they've impacted you in the moment. I like the thing about volunteering. Mm. And it is something which we don't realize that it's, an, it's God opening a door for you. Mm. It's when you save That's others, true, yeah. it's when you save others, when you extend yourself for the benefit of others, that your purpose comes alive. Mm. There you go. I agree. I agree. And we got to encourage young people to volunteer more. I think there's this kind of um, I should be given mentality or entitlement um, 
amongst a lot of people that needs to go. I think we were talking about it earlier. There's somebody's always asking you, what have you done about this? What have you done about that? What about you? And I turn around and say, what have you done? And what can you do to influence your circle? Because everybody has influence. Even if you can change one person, you've made a difference. So let's all have this uh, culture of volunteering and a culture of uplifting our communities. I love that. I love that. T talk to me now about we are in, we are in a digital space. Mm. Um, I'm reading a lot about artificial intelligence, making movies and making <laughs> 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 making songs and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But also the um, segmentation of markets. Um, YouTube, Apple TV, uh, Netflix. Hollywood doesn't have the glamour that it used to have. Um, distribution has become dem democratized. Mm -hmm. uh, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Where do you sit as far as this revolution that's come to all of us? In terms of distribution? Yeah, distribution technology and all that stuff. It's, it's an excellent thing. It's, as you say, it has democratized the, the playing field. And in Zimbabwe, we kind of leapfrogged. We didn't have those like hurdles of having to deal with um, celluloid. And because when the new kind of generation of filmmakers came in, they immediately leapfrogged into the digital age. And to be able to make a film these days, it doesn't cost a lot to get a, a camera um, when you want to make a, a film or you can collaborate, which is something that um, the local industry is starting to, to do more of. You just pool each other's talents and resources to be able to make a certain service. And it's also important to understand that these are tools. The talent lies in us. All of this technology will really get us to a certain level and it's so important and it's great and it makes our processes a lot easier and you can collaborate with people all over the world. Mm. Um, you can make a film with collaborators in another country, you know. But, you know, first and foremost, realize that you are the storyteller and guide that and create a kind of structure and order around that so that the technology is not left to do all the work for yeah, you. <laughs> the talent is still important, isn't it? Very important. Content is still important. Hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. Um, what has your life, Rumbi, taught you about life? What has my life taught me about life? Mm -hmm. Trevor, you are deep with the questions, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> when you look back, yeah. I mean, if you're going to check out now, what would you say life has taught you about life? Uh, life, I think, has taught me that it's not going to be rosy all the time. There will always be challenges. It's inevitable. Mm. But it is in those challenges, what you learn from them and what you do about them to overcome is the strength that will propel you to greater heights. So I do believe that if there's any times that I failed or I struggled, it was just a moment of learning to get to yeah. where I am today. Yeah. And it's, it's a continuous learning process. Um, people say that I am at the top of my industry, but I say I am still a student of film and I will always be a student of film. And there's always something new to be learned. 
And I appreciate that. And it, it should keep you young, you know? That's an even much more deeper answer than the question itself. <laughs> Let's play a game now. We've been okay. too we've been too serious. Okay. Um so what is your favorite Zimbabwean movie? Mm. Not, not, uh, not yours, not any stuff that you've yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah. Neria. Neria. Mm. Why? Because it uh, it tells a story of a of a family and I love human stories. Mm. Um and I love that the lessons that it brought to us in terms of inheritance rights. Mm. Um, and Jesse Mungoshi will always be such a shining star for me. And as I said before, Godwin was an influence in, mm. in my film journey. If you had a choice between a book and a movie, which, what would you pick? Which... A movie. <laughs> a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do love books, but you know, I, I'm constantly consuming films constantly. Mm. And, mm. And the last couple of years, I've been judging quite a lot of awards. Mm. So it's enabled me to watch even more. Mm. Wine or fresh, a glass of, glass of fresh juice? Juice. Juice. 100% juice. Okay. Your favorite uh, Zimbabwean meal? Mm, gosh, there's so many. Um, I would have to say veggies and peanut butter. Mm. Nice. Mm. Cat or dogs? Cats. Mm. And who is your role model and why? Um, let's see. I may have many. Uh, I really appreciate and look up to Koli Swastole. Mm -hmm. She is a documentary filmmaker. Um, she grew up here. She's currently in South Africa. And she has been instrumental in helping me understand um, story mm. and film. Um, I don't see her very often, but I know that if I need advice on a project, I can always call Good. her. And that is the beauty of that relationship, that she is such a celebrated and decorated filmmaker, but she's always there to oh, give back. That's fantastic. going to let you go before we talk books you know we love books share with us um, three books that um, you think uh, could could be pointers to to our audience out there that you've read and have made an indelible mark on you okay um the first one is a technical one it's called directing mm -hmm. film techniques and aesthetics by michael ravager it's a standard for every filmmaker. I think everybody who wants to become a director should read that one. Should read one. that book, yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very thick, very long book. Um, but it's got everything in there that you want to know mm -hmm. as a director. Okay. Second one? Second one, We Need New Names. Mm. Noviolet. Noviolet. Yeah. Love that book. And I love Noviolet as well. Um, she's such a talent. Mm. And so humble and... She just tells our stories. She's got a book out so now, isn't well. it? Yeah. She does. She's just been nominated again for um, 
She was nominated again for the Booker Prize. She mm. was shortlisted again. She is incredible. So Glory is the book she has yes. out now. Yes. Um, I, I enjoy that too, but my favorite will, is, is still We, we Need, need new, new Names. names. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Your third book? The third book is, it's a trilogy, mm -hmm. but it's a book. Um, it's the Binti series, mm -hmm. the Binti series. It's by a Nigerian-American author by the name of Nnedi Okorafor. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, she's created a, a, a genre called African Futurism. Mm -hmm. And it's Africa at the center of her stories. And she melds it together with science fiction. And she speaks about Africa without having to feel that she has to bring in any kind of Western references. All of wow. the cultural references are African. And every time she tells a story, of, and she tells from different countries and different cultures, um, they're very centered in that. And the Binti series is centered in the Himba people mm. of Namibia. Fantastic. Lovely books. Um, you know, I thought it was important for us to talk because I love telling our stories mm. and you're doing a great job in doing that. And you've been recognized for the work that you're doing. I know you, you, you're doing a lot of, lot of work right now um, in the same space. And we wish you all the very best. Uh, we keep watching you and, um, uh, you know, talking to you, I think, reminds a lot of people out there of the beauty in us. Mm. And that we've, we have all that we need here, if only we could get our policies right, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, make sure that our talent is properly equipped, we've got the equipment. These films will earn us foreign currency, which we can put back in, the, in our countries mm. to grow our economies. Mm -hmm. So, Rumbi, thank you so much for finding the time. Thank you. Allow me to turn now to our viewers who are all over the world who follow this show on a weekly basis. Remember, we're out every Monday, um, 7 a.m. Central African time to ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations such as one I've had with Rumbi. Please click onto this uh, red button and subscribe. Remember to like and share. Also, go to our website where all the conversations sit um, together with uh, podcasts for your listening pleasure. We see all your comments. Uh, we see all your suggestions as to who should be coming onto the show and we appreciate them. Keep them coming. Until next time, cheers to you all.